the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, July 1. (laughs) Yeah, July 1, 2021, in the year of our Lord. On July 1st, 2015, the United States and Cuba, they announced they're going to reopen their embassies to each other's capitals. Today, in 1838, Charles Darwin, he presented a paper on his theory of evolution. He gave it to the Linnean Society in London. The rest, as they say, is history. Today, in 1863, the pivotal three-day Civil War Battle of Gettysburg it resulted in a Union victory. It began in Pennsylvania. Today, in 1867, Canada became a self-governing dominion of Great Britain. Today, in 1950, the first American ground troops arrived in Korea to fight the advancing North Korean army. Today, in 1944, delegates from 44 countries began meeting in Bretton Woods, that's in New Hampshire. In that meeting, they agreed to establish the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. Today, in 1946, the United States exploded a 20-kiloton atomic bomb near Bikini Atoll in the Pacific. Today, in 1963, the U.S. Post Office inaugurated its five-digit zip codes. I remember when that happened. My mother said, I don't know if I'll remember, be able to remember that zip code. I can't remember what else she, (laughs) we all remember the zip codes. That started today in 1963. Today in 1966, the Medicare federal insurance program, it went into effect. And today in 1973, the Drug Enforcement Administration, EEA, was established. And today in 1991, President George H.W. Bush nominated Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court. In my opinion, Clarence Thomas is one of the greatest, most thoughtful, most intelligent justices in the history of the court. He is incredible. Today in 1997, Hong Kong reverted to Chinese rule after 156 years as a British colony. And one year ago today, police in Seattle were ordered to forcibly clear the city's occupied protest zone. Remember that? (laughs) That came under orders from the mayor, Jenny Durkin, after two recent uh, fatalities, fatal shootings in the area. Jenny stood out there at the beginning of all of that and said, Summer of Love. She had no idea what she was talking about. She still doesn't. But she finally figured out it was not a summer of love. It's real. And then it began taking real people's lives. It was not a joke. The left seems to make a lot of that kind of thing sort of a jest. And they seem to either be silent or speak about it in light and frivolous terms. 
It's serious stuff. We learned this week that the Democrat budget is spending hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars on border security for a number of Middle Eastern countries. At the same time, they're stripping all funds for construction to complete a wall on the U.S.-Mexican border. $870 million is going to just these countries, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman. $870 million. $500 million is going to Jordan to, quote, enhance security along the border. Wait a minute. I thought walls didn't work. I've been hearing that ever since Joe Biden slouched into the Oval Office. No, it, they do work. Oh, they don't work on the southern border, but they work. $500 million to Jordan to, quote, enhance security along its border. But the same bill strips all funding. I'm quoting from the bill, all funding for construction of a border wall at the U.S.-Mexican border. Clearly, the people in power in the United States today and in this administration understand the value of walls. They know they work. They built one around Washington, D.C. when the Republicans were trying to smash the, or the conservatives or the whomever, the insurgents were trying to take over the Capitol some months ago. They know walls work. That was the first thing they did was erect a wall around the Capitol building. Most of them have walls around their own several homes that they own. But now they're paying for walls to help keep the Middle East countries safe, but they will not use a wall, finish building the wall, to keep America safe. They must hate Trump more than they love America. That's sad. It's really sad. I think it's true, though. I really do. I wish it weren't, but I think it is. A nation whose citizens no longer feel national pride or a unique allegiance to their own country is a nation that's lost its sense of national identity and perhaps even its will to survive. E pluribus unum, that's a report of the Bradley Project on America's national identity, concluded that that is where we are today. We are having a national identity crisis. E pluribus unum says we're there. That could be true. They may be right. I believe God is going to direct us as a country his people within this country. I believe God still has use for America. I believe God is not through with America. Someday he will be. He'll be through with all nations. But now his model is to have nations, sovereign nations on this earth. The Bible is very clear about that. Boundaries, borders, sovereignty. But right now I believe God is going to continue to use America. And I can almost hear someone saying, yeah, Gary, that's what you want. I do want that, but I do believe that he's still using America, but it may not be in ways that we would think. God's ways are always higher than our ways, always. That's why we ultimately, every day we look at the news on this program, we talk about what's happening. That's why it's live. Every It originates live. It isn't live on all the stations you're listening to, but it's not more than a couple of hours 
past live when you hear it, if, if it isn't live. But we originate at 9 o'clock every morning to talk about what's happening that day. But there's one thing that I always have to talk about and put everything in perspective with, and that is the eternal word of God. Psalm 18 says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. All of us have enemies, personally, collectively, nationally. God is the answer. So today, whatever you're facing, whatever you have to look at today and get through and whatever, it may be personal, it may be a family issue, whatever it is, you may be looking at America and saying, man, I've, I've lost as the Pluribus Unum group has found. I don't even know who America is anymore, the country that I love, the country that I grew up in and so on, or the country that I came to with my parents when I was little, whatever it is. You look at what's going on in our country and you throw up your hands and you say, what can I do? It's hopeless. It isn't hopeless when we're focused on Almighty God who was and is and forevermore shall be. He is the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. And he's your personal Savior through his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you, that you might have life and even have it more abundantly. But it's only abundant when we look at life through the Word of God and through our relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. If you haven't made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let me urge you to do that. I know you go to church all the time. Gary, I'm involved in church. and all. That's great. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells you exactly how to do it. Just believe in your heart that he is the son of God, that he came, that he gave his life, and that he rose from the dead, just like he said he would, and just like the Bible says he did. Believe that and accept it in your heart and confess it with your mouth and ask him to forgive you of your sins. I, I know that sounds simple, but it, it, it's the profound simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it'll change your life forever. I got this note from someone. We get a lot of notes. I read them, too, by the way. I do. We're not that big a deal. You know, I mean, I, there's ministries that whomever is leading that ministry, they couldn't read all their notes. I can. Thank you for speaking out about the awful situation on our borders. It also saddens me to know that those who claim to be Christian helped in supporting this administration. Yeah, that saddens me, too. I certainly agree with that. Uh, but the note continues. Who made this po the, In supporting the administration, who made this possible, referring to the situation on the border? I also blame the parents of those children who sent them there with the idea that it would allow them to enter as well. Shame on them. I think that's true with some. They know exactly, some of the parents know exactly what they're doing. Some of them have been misled and probably don't have a clue. I've spent a lot of time in those countries that are directly related to this massive, massive illegal alien um, 
flow of people. I mean, thousands, tens of thousands of people, mostly coming. I mean, they're coming from all over the world now. I mean, people are flying into Central America and coming across the border as though they're Central Americans, Guatemalans, Hondurans. I've spent a lot of time in those countries, in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and so on. And I, I, I know the people there. I mean, I've been with the people in ministry and so on, the Christian people primarily. And I know them, and some of them are, are just simply misled. I mean, they're told things by these coyotes who take all the money they can scrape up and uh, the parents and give it to these coyotes, and they'll get your parent, your child over there, and they'll have a wonderful life, and then we'll get you there. And so on. I, I know the story. Many of you do, too. But some of the parents are just simply misled. I mean, they, they're not sophisticated enough to understand, but many of them are, and, and they are willing to sacrifice their children on the promise, you know, on the take, the roll the dice to see if they can get in as well. It's a very, very sad, it's a very complex situation. Very, very sad. And unfortunately, we have a an administration now that I, I don't know if they don't care, but they seem to not care except about their own political fortunes. As I said, about building the wall. I mean, they just rant and rave, and Joe Biden, he doesn't rant, but he mumbles. And he says, we don't believe in walls. Walls don't work. And Kamala Harris, you know, between her laughing convulsions, she said, we, we're not going to build Trump's wall, and so on. Well, uh, then they, the first thing they do when a little danger comes to their place, they build a wall. And, oh, by the way, they're going to help all these countries in the Middle East. Too. I don't know why we're helping these countries in the first place. They've got more oil and money than most other people on the globe. But nonetheless, we're sending millions and millions and millions of dollars to them to help build a wall. It's so uh, hypocritical. It's just astounding. What's going on in America is an identity crisis. There's no question about that. So I want to talk about that for a moment today, but I want to thank you also for your support of this ministry. I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it weren't for those of you who support it. And I want to thank you for it. And if you believe in or if you see a value in what we're doing, we need you to join with us and and become a, a regular supporter. We need your support. The budget is underwritten completely by the people who listen and agree with what we're doing and I'm sure what we're saying for the most part on this program. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I noticed the other day it caught my attention, the National Archives Task Force on Racism, they they claimed in this little noticed report at the U.S. top librarian, the archives, in their own rotunda, the Capitol. It houses the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights. It's an example of, they said, structural racism. And they said in this report, it's 105 pages, the media isn't paying any attention to it, but we should be. Some elected officials are, but most of them really aren't. But they will. Because these guys are pushing forward. They're saying that our founding fathers and other white, historically impactful Americans are portrayed in a too positive way or too positively. The task force was has submitted their report. As I said, it's 105 pages. It suggests 
ways to, quote, reimagine the rotunda. I'm sick of hearing that word, reimagine. And it goes into how we must have a dialogue, I'm quoting from it, a dialogue about the ways that the United States has mythologized our founding era. The report is calling for trigger warnings to be placed with historical content for, to, quote, forewarn audiences of content that may cause intense physiological and psychological symptoms. I mean, so if you go in there and you see the history of the United States, you might get sick and vomit, or you might have some kind of a, an emotional breakdown. That's what they're saying. And they work for the country, supposedly. The New York Post is the oldest continuously published newspaper in America. It was founded by Alexander Hamilton in 1801. They published an article on this matter. They didn't miss this, and they don't miss much. I'll tell you, I, I pay attention to what they do and what they say. But on this matter a week ago, they noted it's important that the public be informed in that this report and its release is kind of flying under the media radar, and it is. Well, I reviewed the report, 105 pages, took some time and looked at it, so you wouldn't have to unless you want to. I wrote an article on this today at our website, faithandfreedom.us, and so you can read it there, and there's links to a lot of what I'm talking about right now. But this report reveals that their whole thing is about reimagining America. Obama called it remaking America. Hillary called it resetting and other things. Joe Biden, I don't know if he has a word for it. Maybe it's his Build Back Better slogan. But he's all in. Yeah, he's for it. And so are a number of elected officials. And that should trigger every American who loves our country. Fourth of July celebrations coming up this weekend. By the way, I'll be talking about America specifically tomorrow. So because we're not on the air live on Saturday and Sunday, and the 4th of July is over the weekend, as you know. The task force, though, is suggesting that these various ways to reimagine the rotunda, including, quote, stage staging dance and performance art in the space that invites dialogue about ways that the United States has mythologized the founding era. They're calling for a chance at kind of a change of language on the on the government website, ourdocuments.gov, to less celebratory or historically impactful Americans, such as President Thomas Jefferson. He was a bad guy. This psychological agony goes on for 105 pages. I mean, it's depressing to read it, but I think it's important that we be informed. And like I said, you don't have to read it. I did. I, did. I went over it and uh, sharing bits of it with you today so you can be informed. But some of our elected officials are considering how to implement it. Others are trying to figure out now that they've found out about it, trying to kill it. This Cassie Smeedley, she's an executive director of conservative group America Rising. She said that the report is, quote, the radical left's latest attempt to sow division and rewrite history. With Democrats controlling every lever of our government, these efforts have only become more flagrant and pervasive. No institution, agency, or classroom is off limits. Well, flagrant would be an understatement, and I agree with her, but that's an understatement. The task force is very open about their motives. They say in the report, they never question the validity of their negative assessment of America, but they say in the report they are laser-focused on the solutions 
that can be harvested from the crisis. Why would they feel it necessary to warn citizens who would come into the capital of the United States of America before they're told America's story? Because trigger warnings, they said, give us the opportunity to mitigate harm and contextualize the records. It creates a space to share with the public our ultimate goals for reparative description, demonstrate our commitment to progress, and address any barriers we may face in achieving these goals. I mean, they don't even have a pretense. There's no hiding. It's just, here's what we're doing. We're remaking America. I call it indoctrination. It's not reimagining anything. The pathetic irony is that Brandeis University did a study. I noticed it, and I thought of it when I was going over this stupid report that we paid for, we taxpayers. But I, I remembered a, a, a Brandeis University came out with a study, and they're, they're left. I mean, they're leftists. They all are. But they came out with this, and they, they said that they had learned through their, their uh, a survey or something that they had done, a study, that trigger warning, and we hear that term a lot, it is in and of itself a violent expression. And they warned the leftists that trigger warnings themselves if they're going to continue to be woke, you know, in the moment, if they're going to be continue to be woke, they're going to have to give trigger warnings to the trigger warnings to conform to the woke cultural demands. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm going, wow. It's probably just me. I'm probably the only one that doesn't get all that. Anyway. If there's any good in all this insanity, it's that it's slowly but surely awakening millions of ordinary people who go to work every day, take care of their families, pay their bills, love their family, love the country, love God. The absurdity of this report speaks for itself. But the war on history has now raged its way to the progressive uh, protective glass of our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, right under the dome of the Capitol. As the leftists raise their elitist hammer to smash that glass of democracy, they do so in absolute ignorance and a spirit of rebellion. America isn't even a democracy. It's a republic. There's a profound difference. There are profound differences between a democracy and a constitutional republic, and they're crucial to every part of our lives. And these people don't even know that or they don't care. I don't know. Alexander Hamilton, the guy that started the newspaper I was just quoting from, he said, quote, real liberty is neither found in despotism or the extremes of democracy, but in moderate governments. It has been said that democracy, <laughs> this is not Hamilton, democracy is like two wolves and a lamb voting on what to eat for lunch. But a republic is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. Very true. Thomas Jefferson also f saw profound issues with democracy. He noted that there is always a war for power and control under democracy. Well, he's right. Democracy, quote unquote, produced Napoleon and other guys worse than Napoleon in history. Democracy is a breeding ground for dictatorship. Our founders understood this power struggle. They set out to erase it from America. They achieved this by the separation of powers. Thus, we have the legislative, judicial, executive branches. 
Each of these branches have been given a different role, and each role differs from each branch. The quest for absolute power is kind of voided from this because there is no position of absolute power to achieve with the separation of powers that we have. To the degree that they can undermine that, then to that degree, someone like a Barack Obama, uh, Joe Biden, whomever, they could ascend to some form of power. But our founders pretty much blocked the path to dictatorship as long as we keep in place our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, and our Bill of Rights. Plato said dictatorship naturally arises out of democracy, and it's absolutely true. John Adams also saw the danger of democracy. He said, quote, remember democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There's never a democracy that did not commit suicide, end of quote. Adams knew that democracy is hard and often fraught with human error. We're all, I mean, we're all, you know, human. Democracy never lasts before someone new becomes appointed to rule over the masses. For this reason, the founders formed our republic in a way that the people are both heard and represented. Representative democracy became their solution in this republic for this complex issue. The founders were explicit about their views on democracy. They said, it doesn't work. We don't want it, but we want to use part of it. There's forces at work, even right now, that seek to undermine and destroy the foundations of the greatest country in the history of the world, this country that God has blessed. Our Constitution and Declaration of Independence are not just dusty documents of ill repute, antiquated notions by men who may now be only defined as racist. Remember the other day, President Joe Biden, just within the last week, he kept using the term America was a great idea. He was speaking of it in the past sense and calling it merely an idea. Now, I'm not just trying to criticize the president. I'm trying to make a point. And the point is that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that's what he was saying. He was speaking of America's idea in in the past tense. And he was calling this whole plan that was put together by our founders prayerfully and thoughtfully as an idea. There's no hall of shame that can tarnish what those men and the documents did. No one, they can't be purged from the hearts and the minds of tens of millions, hundreds of millions of Americans who live now like you and me or who have lived in this country. It was Daniel Webster who said a generation after the founding fathers, He told Congress, hold on, my friends, to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster, and what has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy throughout the world. Then he said this. He said, if the power of the gospel is not felt throughout the length and the breadth of the land, anarchy and misrule, degradation and misery corruption and darkness will reign without mitigation or end. Does that define where we are today? America's identity is so aligned with godly truth that when the nation turns from God, it loses its identity, our identity. It doesn't apply to others. It submits to anarchy and confusion, and our Constitution becomes vulnerable. That's why John Adams said our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate. 
to the government of any other. It's time to reintroduce America to our identity, Christians. I'll see you tomorrow.